Thanks for tuning in. This edition of Outcasting will begin in a few moments. Outcasting is produced by Media for the Public Good, formerly WDFH, Westchester Public Radio. Non-commercial, non-profit, and volunteer-powered. One of the things that makes a show like Outcasting possible is financial support from listeners like you. Please visit us at mfpg.org and click on Support to make your tax-deductible contribution. And connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube at Outcasting Media. And now, Outcasting. I found out through my son that Maxi was going to go back to Argentina. And uh, because, excuse me, I get emotional when I talk about this, because we love him dearly and because we feel like he's our son. And I, it, it got to me in such a deep, deep, visceral way that, that this could be breaking them up. This is Outcasting, Public Radio's LGBTQ youth program, where you don't have to be queer to be here. Outcasting is a production of Media for the Public Good, a listener-supported, independent producer based in New York, online at mfpg.org. Hi, I'm Lester. We continue our look at the status of marriage equality following the historic ruling by the U.S. Supreme Court in the case of United States v. Windsor. In that case, which was decided in June 2013, the court ruled that Section 3 of the Defense of Marriage Act, or DOMA, was unconstitutional. DOMA, which was enacted in 1996, wrote into federal law a definition of marriage limited to opposite-sex couples, preventing the federal government from giving any legal recognition to same-sex marriages. On this edition, we focus on the effects DOMA had on binational couples, We use the term binational couple to describe a couple in which one partner is a citizen of the United States and the other is not. We talk with Mimi Goodman, whose son Jesse is in a binational relationship with a man from Argentina named Max. Because of DOMA, they had to leave the United States in order to live together. They lived in Hungary for a time and later moved to London. Mimi is a social worker. She is also president of Rockland County PFLAG, Parents, Families, and Friends of Lesbians and Gays, a national support, education, and advocacy organization for LGBT people, their families, friends, and allies. She is also the faculty advisor of a gay-straight alliance in a suburban New York high school. She considers herself a gay rights activist. We also talk with Levy Soloway, co-founder of the DOMA Project, an organization that assists binational couples in their fight against separation caused by U.S. immigration law. Levy is a civil rights attorney at Maslia and Soloway, a law firm whose focus is on immigration and related issues. Many people who are not citizens of the United States come here on something called a visa. A visa permits non-U.S. citizens to live in this country if, among other things, they are studying or working here. If they finish their degrees or lose their jobs, the visa can expire and they might have to leave the country. Another way for a non-U.S. citizen to live in the United States is to marry an American citizen. A man and a woman, one of them a U.S. citizen and the other a citizen of another country, meet, fall in love, and get married. By virtue of the marriage, the non-citizen spouse is allowed to live here enabling the couple to stay together and live in the U.S. But immigration is a matter of federal law, and under DOMA, the federal government was prohibited from recognizing same-sex marriages. 
that meant that unlike opposite-sex couples, same-sex binational couples were not permitted, by virtue of their marriages, to live in the U.S. because the federal government did not recognize them as married. In some cases, the foreign partner could be deported. Many couples were forced to make a hard choice, live apart, in different countries, or stay together and leave the United States. Levy Soloway. Couples that were forced to live abroad and leave their families behind in the United States, often living a nomadic life because they didn't settle in just one place. They maybe settled in one country where they found work and then that work ended and they moved to another country. Not a life of free people making free choices and people treated equally with dignity and respect, but people who were, uh, you know, forced into exile and had nowhere to live. And many of them built new lives thousands and thousands of miles away from their uh, original homes and gave up their careers, lost the value of their education, were not there for their parents when they became elderly and needed assistance, were not there to share in the joy of the births of their nieces and nephews or their children or grandchildren. It's very sad. I mean, it's really not something that you can ever give anybody back. That time is lost and those life experiences are lost. And in the main, those people are all still in exile. The Defense of Marriage Act, or DOMA, was enacted in 1996 with large majorities in both houses of Congress and under the signature of President Bill Clinton. Under DOMA, same-sex couples, if they ever gained the right to marry in one of the states, would not become eligible for the more than 1,100 federal rights, benefits, and programs that automatically come into play when a couple gets married. This, of course, includes immigration rights based on marriage. Levy Soloway. Our constitutional scheme, which includes equal protection of the laws, requires that lawmakers in Congress take great care not to discriminate uh, when they pass any statute, but if they do pass a statute that treats one group differently than another, that they have a very good reason tied directly to that statute uh, for doing so. And unfortunately, um, you know, for those attorneys who had the job of arguing uh, in support of DOMA, they really didn't have a reason. There was no, Congress didn't have a reason to single out gay and lesbian people. And the uh, attorneys actually argued that the only reason that they needed was simply to keep the status quo, which of course cannot really uh, ever justify discriminating against a group of people. Mimi Goodman experienced the effects of this discrimination firsthand. Her son, Jesse, is gay. He met his partner, Max, while Max was in the United States on a work visa. Then one unfortunate day changed their lives. He lost that job. Once you lose a job and you're on a work visa, you have three months to find another job or you have to leave the country or you're here illegally. I found out through my son that Maxi was going to go back to Argentina. And uh, because, excuse me, I get emotional when I talk about this, because we love him dearly and because we feel like he's our son, and because we feel like no matter what would even happen between my son and Max, we would always support him because we have a separate love for him. And when I heard that he was going back to Argentina, I just started to cry and I was sobbing. And the thing that was strange about it for me and for my family is that I'm not a crier. I don't cry easily. And how some people cry easily, I don't cry easily. And I was sobbing. And I, it, it got to me in such a deep, deep, visceral way that, that this could be breaking them up. 
The congressional proponents of DOMA stated that the purpose of the law was to preserve the institution of marriage and strengthen and protect the concept of family. But Levy Soloway says that DOMA accomplished neither. I mean, this would not really help strengthen any families if there's a mom and dad in suburban New York that sees their son forced to go into exile for seven years in Europe because of activists who barred him from access to the institution of marriage. It doesn't really help anybody's family be stronger or safer. Either you split up and the person goes back to their home country. Uh, either you get another job and you're able to keep staying on a work visa, but it's nothing permanent about that. Or sometimes binational couples are lucky in the sense that Jesse and Max were lucky in that they got a job in another country and allowed them to be together. And that's why they've been out of the country for now going on almost nine years, I think. Nine years. Imagine how it must feel for parents to see their sons or daughters forced by the laws of their own country to live abroad. How it must feel for sons or daughters to have to choose between being significantly cut off from their families in order to be together with their partners in another country, or giving up the idea of living with their partners in order to stay in the United States, all by the force of law, and only because they're gay. If a couple breaks up uh, who have loved each other, things happen. We all know that things happen. But it seemed to me particularly horrible and cruel and unfair that this was had to do with out, an outside law, something completely outside of the internal dynamic of the relationship. This was because of American law that, that discriminates against gay people and discriminates against gay American citizens. It just felt so very, very sad to me that I was seeing two people who really, really loved each other and who were saying they can't make a go of it. During the years that DOMA was in place, there were tens of thousands of gay and lesbian Americans who were in relationships, long-term committed relationships with individuals who were not citizens of the United States, often people who lived abroad and had a very difficult time even coming here to visit. And so they struggled. They struggled to be together in one place, to find a country where both individuals could live, since there were so few countries that recognized same-sex couples uh, under the law for any purpose, but certainly not for immigration. They struggled to keep the foreign national partner in lawful status, and if they were if their status had lapsed to keep them from getting deported, to be able to survive without any papers and to be able to work and, and just get along from a day-to-day -day basis. And, and over the years, that became increasingly difficult. Driver's licenses were taken away. Uh, you know, employment was shut down because of much better enforcement of laws that prohibited employers from employing individuals without the right papers to work. So there was a struggle ongoing, and it was an incredible and cruel and far-reaching struggle. I think the question we always ask ourselves every year is, how are we going to see Jesse and Max? And uh, I'm always happy on a year where everything's kind of figured out and we know we can see them. And then if it was like last year, I felt really sad when I, the last time we saw them because I didn't know the next time I was seeing them. And it just always, it's complicated and it's also it's been a very, very big expense also for us because it's no longer cheap to fly to Europe. That's an expensive trip. I don't know that I would visit uh, Europe three times a year, for example. Some people say to me, oh, you're so lucky. 
you go to Europe three times a year. And my response to them always is, well, that may be a very nice thing. I don't consider it lucky because it's something I have to do. And it's something that was forced on us. And um, so I don't know if that I would say, oh, that's so lucky. This is Outcasting, Public Radio's LGBTQ youth program produced by Media for the Public Good in New York, online at mfpg.org. We're talking about the effects of the Defense of Marriage Act on binational same-sex couples. Joining us in this discussion are Mimi Goodman, whose son Jesse is in a binational relationship, and Levi Salloway, a civil rights lawyer who represents binational couples. In the 1990s, a lawsuit started to make its way through Hawaii's court system. The plaintiffs in the lawsuit alleged that denying same-sex couples the right to marry violated the Hawaii state constitution. It was in this environment, an environment that for the first time made it seem possible that same-sex couples might be able to get married someplace in the United States, that the federal government enacted the so-called Defense of Marriage Act, or DOMA. The law did two things. It permitted states without same-sex marriage not to recognize same-sex marriages performed elsewhere. It also permitted the federal government not to recognize those marriages, thus denying same-sex couples access to the more than 1,100 federal rights, benefits, and programs to which couples gain access when they get married. Eight years later, in 2004, Massachusetts became the first state in the country to allow same-sex couples to legally marry. Opponents tried to amend the state constitution to eliminate the freedom to marry, but over three-quarters of the state legislature voted against that amendment. With Massachusetts now permitting same-sex couples to marry, the stage was set for conflict. It was now inevitable that same-sex couples would get married in Massachusetts and get the state benefits and responsibilities of marriage, but then be faced with the federal government's refusal to recognize the marriage. Levy Soloway In 2010, the first of many federal courts contended with and ruled on the constitutionality of DOMA. Ultimately, there would be over a dozen rulings, and all of them would find DOMA to be unconstitutional until finally the Supreme Court made the ultimate ruling. When the first decision came down, it was a decision by a federal district court judge in Boston who was the oldest living federal judge appointed by Richard Nixon. He was a man in his late 70s. He was a Republican. He wasn't generally thought of as a liberal. And he wrote an extensive, extensive decision, a treatise really, against DOMA. It was very thorough, and he had no love lost for a statute or a Congress that would pass such a statute. And here was an elderly man who one would imagine that his origins and his traditions were not necessarily the LGBT rights movement, who could not understand or grasp how this could ever be permissible under the federal constitution to single out a group of people and deny their existence of their marriages. The Supreme Court has emphasized numerous times that marrying the person of one's choice is a fundamental right. When a government, local, state, or even federal enacts a law denying a fundamental right to a classification of people, the United States Constitution requires that this denial be supported by a very strong and legitimate reason. In 1967, the Supreme Court decided a case, probably the best-named case ever, 
Loving versus Virginia, invalidating a state law that made it illegal for interracial couples to marry. The court ruled that the Virginia law violated the equal protection and due process clauses of the 14th Amendment. As more and more Americans have come to understand more about the nature of homosexuality, they have started to see parallels between the Anti-Gay Defense of Marriage Act and race-based discriminatory laws, including the anti-miscegenation law that the court invalidated in the Loving case. There was no actual harm to anybody if same-sex couples could marry. There was great harm to same-sex couples for being excluded from marriage, but there was just nothing to be gained. There was no value to the state. There was no rationale that they could ever point to. And if you scraped off the surface a little bit, you found that much of the motivation for voting for these statutes or constitutional amendments had to do with intolerance or discomfort with gay people or with homosexuality or with inconsistency of the lives that gay and lesbian people are leading with the faith traditions of some of the voters. But of course, uh, we can't legislate diminution of civil rights, and we can't violate the equal protection of the laws because some people are not comfortable with gay people. The landmark Windsor case, in which the Supreme Court ruled that Section 3 of DOMA was unconstitutional, actually had nothing to do with binational couples and immigration equality. The case was brought by E.D. Windsor, whose legal marriage to Thea Spire was not recognized by the United States government because of DOMA. As a result, when Thea died, Edie was forced to pay more than $360,000 in estate taxes, money she would not have had to pay if her spouse had been a man. In 2013, the Supreme Court recognized the unfairness of this and struck down Section 3 of DOMA. The ruling established the principle that the federal government could not treat married same-sex couples differently than it treated married opposite-sex couples. And by extension, that meant that the federal government had to give same-sex couples the same immigration rights that it has always given to opposite-sex couples. Equality is an ideal. It is supposedly a core American value, embodied in phrases like, with liberty and justice for all, and let freedom ring. We Americans like to pat ourselves on the back and hold ourselves out as a beacon of equality and freedom to the rest of the world. But even now, equality is elusive. It's simply not a reality for many people. African Americans were oppressed and held in slavery for centuries under the force of law. The black civil rights movement has been a prolonged battle for human rights, for equality, that has spanned more than 150 years. A lot of the battles in the war for black civil rights were won in court cases. There were also legislative victories such as the Civil Rights Acts of 1964 and 1968. In the same way, the fight for LGBT equality has had victories in the courts, through legislative action, and even by popular vote. And marriage equality is now the law in the District of Columbia and in a growing number of states. Compared with other parts of the larger civil rights movement, the gay rights movement is progressing at a remarkable pace, at least where marriage is concerned. In 2005, polls indicated that only 37% of Americans supported marriage equality. Just nine years later, according to a Pew Research survey in March 2014, 54% of the overall population are in favor of marriage equality. 
That study also found that 61% of young Republicans are supportive of marriage equality, which is remarkable because of generally strong Republican opposition. There are 33 states that have explicitly banned same-sex marriage, so despite popular support, there is still opposition. Martin Luther King Jr. notably paraphrased Theodore Parker, a champion of social progress from Boston, saying the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. This quote is one of five quotes featured on the rug that was installed in the Oval Office during President Obama's first term. The inclusion of this quote represents America's self-image of being in line with justice. But there are 16 other countries where same-sex marriage is legal nationwide. In contrast, only a minority of U.S. states currently allow same-sex marriage. In many parts of the U.S., LGBT people have little or no protections and can be fired from their jobs and refused housing or service at public accommodations, with no legal recourse. So there is still a lot to be done. In the wake of Windsor and the invalidation of Section 3 of DOMA, the federal government is now recognizing same-sex marriages, so immigration inequality is starting to fade away. Because marriage equality exists in only a minority of states, it is more difficult for same-sex couples in the other states to get married because they have to travel to a marriage equality state and meet its residency requirements, if any. Section 2 of DOMA still stands, enabling non-marriage equality states to ignore the marriages of same-sex couples married elsewhere. This means that the rights that come with being married flicker in and out like cell phone service as a married couple travels from one state to another, as civil rights lawyer Evan Wolfson put it on an earlier edition of Outcasting. But in the wake of the Windsor case, recent lower court decisions have been declaring state bans on same-sex marriage unconstitutional. At some point, the Supreme Court will have to settle these cases, deal with Section 2 of DOMA, and decide whether the federal constitution guarantees same-sex couples equal rights to get married. Looking at the bigger picture, of course, the gay rights movement is about more than marriage, and as we've discussed in earlier editions of Outcasting, when it comes to civil rights, we can't even discuss the LGBT rights movement as a whole, because the rights movement for the T in LGBT, transgender people, has not advanced as far as the gay rights movement. And of course, other groups are fighting for their rights to equality under the law in this broad, long-lasting civil rights movement, so the ideal of full equality in America is still far down the road. None of which is meant to minimize the monumental advance that Windsor represents. Now that Section 3 of DOMA has been overturned, same-sex binational couples finally have access to the same immigration rights that opposite-sex couples have always had. Levy Soloway one of the great joys, I guess, of working uh, on this um, and, and to see this change happen is to know that tomorrow, somewhere, a young woman or a young man will go off on the Peace Corps and meet somebody of the same sex and fall in love and know that they have the same right to marry and sponsor that person for a green card or for a fiancé visa as their heterosexual counterparts. 
or go off on a junior year abroad to Paris and meet and fall in love with a French man or a French woman and be, know that they have the same access to the laws. And so that, that's the great joy that we can take is that the next generation, these couples will never know the fear of deportation, the deprivation of rights, the loss of so much of their life with their family, their freedom to travel, to, to, to achieve their potential in life, to pursue their dreams. They will never know that. And that's the gift uh, that we can give to the future. And the benefits of greater equality extend beyond same-sex couples themselves. It affects all Americans because all Americans... Uh, you know, know somebody, have a neighbor, a friend, a coworker, a fellow congregant who's gay or lesbian who's now treated equally under the law. The rights of LGBT Americans are no different than the rights of any other individual. And we have seen countless times over the generations when, you know, advances in civil rights have been followed by uh, a slide back. Uh, so there has to be vigilance. You cannot uh, celebrate and then uh, you know, take your picnic blanket and your picnic basket and go home. There are always forces out there, whether it's reproductive freedom, whether it's uh, civil rights for for uh, people of color. Every advance has always been one that's precious and one that has to be guarded carefully. For some binational couples whose lives were upended by the discrimination caused by DOMA, the damage may not be easily undone. Jobs and homes were lost. Some couples couldn't make it work and broke up. Others, like Jesse and Max, moved out of the U.S. in order to stay together, separating them from their families and friends, their jobs, and the lives they'd built. Levy Soloway says that the government needs to make things as easy as possible for the families whose lives were disrupted by DOMA to be reunited. There are some things that are just final. They're not going to be reversed. What we can do, though, and what this government should be doing right now, and is, I think, to some extent trying to do, is work as fast as possible to bring everybody back, to reunite couples that are separated, to provide generous policies and guidelines to make sure people who are subject, for example, to a 10-year bar because they were deported when they should have never been deported are given an opportunity for that bar to be waived so they can come back home. Mimi Goodman told us that her son Jesse has felt resentment towards America. She said that the urgency and perhaps poignancy that was felt years ago is not quite the same now, after the Windsor decision and the defeat of DOMA. She told us that Jesse said, We took a bad situation, and while we could have been unhappy every day, waiting to come home, instead we made a good life for ourselves, and a happy one. They were uprooted once, and returning to the United States would be another uprooting, and Jesse and Max do not currently have plans to return from London. His feeling is that he kind of has bitter feelings a little bit towards this country that has denied him. He's an American citizen, and he's been denied the rights that every American citizen has, which is the right to marry someone from another country and be able to stay in this country. We're glad they were able to establish a life for themselves, but for us, it's, it's that sadness. My son has a wonderful, wonderful attitude towards life, and he always says when we see him, this is our holiday, which is really nice and makes us feel happier. But if I had my choice, I'd want to live near my son and Maxie. Mimi Goodman's son Jesse is in a relationship with a man from Argentina named Max. 
Because of Doma, in order to live together, they had to leave the United States. They lived in Hungary for a time and later moved to London. Mimi is a social worker. She is also president of Rockland County PFLAG, Parents, Families and Friends of Lesbians and Gays, a national support, education and advocacy organization for LGBT people, their families, friends and allies. She is also the faculty advisor of a gay-straight alliance in a suburban New York high school. She considers herself a gay rights activist. Levi Soloway is a co-founder of the DOMA Project, an organization that assists binational couples in their fight against separation caused by U.S. immigration law. Levy is a civil rights attorney at Maslia and Soloway, a law firm whose focus is on immigration and visas. To read more about Jesse and Max's story, visit our website at mfpg.org. That's it for this edition of Outcasting, Public Radio's LGBTQ youth program, where you don't have to be queer to be here. This program has been produced by the Outcasting team, including youth participants Nicole, Josh, Travis, Maddie, Sydney, and me, Lester. Our executive producer is Mark Sophus. Outcasting is a production of Media for the Public Good, a listener-supported independent producer based in New York. More information about Outcasting is available at mfpg.org. You'll find information about the show, listen links for all Outcasting episodes, and the podcast link. Outcasting is also on social media. Connect with us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and YouTube at Outcasting Media. I'm Lester. Thank you for listening. Join us again next time. If you enjoyed this edition of Outcasting, please make a tax-deductible gift to Media for the Public Good. We can't do programs like this without your support. Visit mfpg.org and click on Support, and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube at Outcasting Media. Thanks.